everyone. I know you're not expecting me on a Wednesday, but I have a very special bonus podcast episode for you. In this podcast, I interview a student, Hannah Som, and she was in the first round of my Confusion to Clarity course. And this course is now open until Friday. It's limited to only 20 spots. At the end, I'll go into more details about it. But I thought it would be great for you to hear from one of my students of what it was like to be in this course. So this interview, I, I interview her <laughs> about her background. We actually talk about museums a little bit, and it inspired me to do a future podcast episode on museums because most people have no idea what museums are all about. And then we just talk about what the program is like and what can you expect. I am... I have redesigned the program though. I've changed some things. So at the end, I'm gonna go in a more thorough description of what you can expect. But I promise that this is an amazing program, so much so that I guarantee it, if you're not happy, you can get your money back that this is a program you need for your wildlife biology career. And you maybe you're thinking, I'm too young for this, or I haven't started enough. No, you want to start right away. Now is the best time to start. Okay, so I'll talk to you more at the end, but let's get right into this interview with Hannah, and I hope you enjoy it. Hi, I'm Dr. Stephanie Shuttler, a wildlife biologist who's learned throughout her career studying animals that science alone cannot save species. We need you. In the Fancy Scientist podcast, you'll learn about fun animals, conservation tips, and science advice, all while breaking stereotypes about what a scientist looks like. Let's get started. Hi, Hannah. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad you could join us today. Thank you so much for having me. I my background. If you're watching on YouTube, my background's a little different. I'm at my parents' house in Buffalo, so it's not my usual setup. <laughs> okay, so first, I just wanted to get a little bit of background information about you. I mean, I know your story, but not everyone else does. So, if you could just just tell us a little bit about yourself. So, who you are and what experiences you have in wildlife biology. Sure. So, I grew up in Minnesota. And it's a very outdoorsy state. There's a lot of lakes and lots of things to do there. And so I did do a lot of outdoor activities like backpacking and kayaking and things like that. And we had a nature center, but I didn't really know anyone. And well, I always loved animals, of course, but I didn't really know anyone who actually worked with animals, who was like a real scientist or anything like that. So I just kind of had this big idea Um, that I would like to work with animals. I went to school at the University of Oregon thinking I was going to be a marine biologist. But while I was there, I actually did a program in Ecuador. And that experience actually introduced me to the idea that you could be like a field biologist and go to all these cool countries and look at animals and take pictures and things like that. And uh, and so that kind of changed the trajectory of what I had to do and really like gave me an example that this is actually a job that people have. And so after I graduated from the University of Oregon and I got my degree in biology, I didn't really have a plan exactly, but I ended up being able to have an internship at the North Carolina Museum of Natural Sciences. And there, 
And my experience there was actually where I learned, you know, the skills behind just the field research. You know, I learned how to collect the data and analyze it properly and start writing the scientific papers. So it was a little bit more of like getting a full, a better picture of what this job could be like. And so after, after about a year there, I realized that I would actually need to go to graduate school for the career that I was interested in. And so I am here now at the University of Kansas starting my master's program. So kind of works. Great. Yeah, we have a very similar background. I, I didn't even know you could have a job working with animals outside of being a vet. Like I just, I was never exposed to that. And when you did your study abroad program, was that specific for wildlife or did you just, did they have like a wildlife component or did you somehow interact with the scientists there? Yeah, sure. It was a neotropical ecology course. So we went all around the country going to different kinds of ecosystems and things like that. And along the way, we were introduced to various scientists. And one of the scientists there was uh, a herpetologist. So uh, he studies reptiles and amphibians and he, he took us out on night hikes. And so that's what really got my attention. Cool. And I am, I apologize about the random dog barks in the background <laughs> for everyone listening. I brought my dog, one of my dogs with me to Buffalo. And of course, whenever I record, he acts up. So you might hear some dog barking. <laughs> um, I just wanted to ask you for your internship. Did you, was that something that, that you were specifically pursuing or did you just like happen to like come across an advertisement for it? And you're like, oh, this seems like a cool opportunity. How did you, how did you find that at that internship? It was actually just me searching on Google because I because I realized, you know, after that study abroad trip, wow, I'm really interested in learning more about herpetology. And it turned out that there wasn't really anybody at the University of Oregon who was doing active research in that field. So I started just Google searching, you know, different people. And my dad is actually from Cambodia. So I think I searched something like herpetologist Cambodia. And, you know, I found Brian Stewart, who works at the North Carolina Museum of Natural Sciences. And I actually just reached out to him in email and I said, hey, I'm very interested. And he very generously asked me if I wanted to come visit the museum. So kind of spiraled oh, wow. up. And that's where and I- you, so, so there, there was a posted position or you just found that he worked there? There was no posted position. I just reached out to him, cold email. And as I said, very generous and allowed me to visit for two weeks. And then after I graduated, I came back. That I'm actually really glad you said that because I give that advice to students to just tell them to reach out to people. And like, like so many people are willing to help you. And like you said, like Brian offered to give you a tour of the museum and then you found a position working with him. So that is awesome that that worked out that way. Now, of course, not, it's not going to work out that way for everyone. So you got to keep trying. You got to keep tre- emailing people. But but yeah, you shouldn't be afraid to send out those cold emails. That That's great. For sure. Yeah. And yeah, it's not always going to be like, hey, why don't you come visit? <laughs> right. <laughs> let's chat on the phone for 15 minutes. It's like really important information. You know, it could be really helpful. So absolutely. It's a little scary, but I I agree. It is. It is scary. I agree. (laughs) I was always intimidated doing stuff like that too. So, so you want to be a perpetrist, correct? I do. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit more about specifically what you eventually want to pursue in your career? I actually, I would be 
really excited if I were able to be a curator of herpetology at a natural history museum. I think it's it's obviously a very exciting job, but it's also really important. That first visit I had to the museum in North Carolina was the first time I ever saw collections. And then when I started to use them for our research projects, I realized how important they are for researchers, both now, but also in the future. It's just an invaluable resource. So it, it's really cool. Can you explain to people what you mean by collections? I don't think a lot of people realize what museums are actually for. Exactly. And I was in the same position. So in the back of all of these museums, they have shelves of preserved specimens. In this case, they were reptiles and amphibians. They have all sorts of bio data attached to them. So we know when they were collected, who collected them, where. So it's just really important. And it's like a snapshot of history of the past. So yeah, it's very cool. Yeah, these, these specimens are, they're very important. They can go back hundreds of years. And I think, I think all of the herpetology specimens at the museum, I worked at the museum too, for those of you who don't know, is they're out at, in the wet lab, right? Near Prairie Ridge. Yeah, yeah. So, and then, but if you go in the actual building where people visit, you see all these exhibits and stuff, but in the basement, there's actually like cabinets full of fossils and birds, mammals, all different sorts of stuff. And, and it's useful for science now. So one of the really cool things is you can get DNA from back then. Our, our DNA technologies have advanced so much. So you can, you can extract DNA from specimens that are hundreds of years old and, and compare it to, to species living today. Mm-hmm. And that's actually that's actually how a lot of a lot of scientists find new species too. Whenever they say that they discover a new species, for, or at least with mammals, frequently it's in in museums looking at all the different specimens and comparing them. Yeah, there's definitely quite a few specimens that may be you know new species, but we you know still have to do all the DNA extraction and and analyze them. Especially with herps, there's mm-hmm. there's so many undiscovered species too. There's a lot of cryptic diversity, um, yeah. meaning like they look very similar to other species that we already know about, but they're actually uh, genetically different. So, what made you fall in love with with herps in particular? I think I didn't even really realize that they're actually quite. They're beautiful. My mom was a terrified of snakes, so I just I didn't really have any uh, you know experience with them when I was growing up. So in Ecuador, when I when I re- worked with this herpetologist who is also a photographer, a very good photographer, it made me realize like how beautiful they are, how like different they are from from each other. So it, it was really cool. Yeah, I grew up actually catching frogs and toads. I would always release them, but I just loved, and, and actually snakes too. And I just loved looking at them up close, but I grew up in New York, so we didn't have any venomous snakes here in North Carolina. You don't, you want to, yeah, <laughs> you don't yeah. want to, you don't want to catch snakes unless you can identify them very, very well. But yeah, I think, I think herbs are beautiful too. And I think that frogs and salamanders, I, I did a, my, my graduate school at University of Missouri, and we had a lot of amphibian research and salamanders are so diverse and they like some species are just so cute. They're so funny looking. That's just, it's just a tangent. <laughs> and like, I mean, obviously in the tropics, they've got just such wild colors. So vibrant, yeah. you know, like very unique, you know, in, in North, in Minnesota, they, there are like frogs and things like that, but they're, you know, 
brown and green and right. <laughs> yeah that's noticeable but yeah still very cool everything's more colorful in the tropics <laughs> Okay, so I just wanted to switch gears. And as you may know, I am opening up my Confusion to Clarity program again. So I launched that last July. And Hannah was a student who decided to take it. She was, she was one of my first students. And I just wanted to chat with her about what she thought about the program. And in case you guys had any questions, maybe she could answer them for you. So first, can you just tell us why you were interested in that program in the first place? I think I was interested just because I already knew a little bit about, or I started to have an idea of what career path I would want to take. And along with that, I realized that that's a very, it's a competitive job and there's not a lot of positions like that. So when I saw that Stephanie had a position, a course that, you know, would kind of guide me through like more systematically how to approach this. I definitely wanted to take it. And it's really hard to find people who are in wildlife biology, who have these kinds of positions, who also talk about, you know, the process of how they got there. I think maybe in graduate school, you'd, you'd get some of that from your advisors and your peers. But, you know, prior to that, maybe you wouldn't. So I thought it was a really cool opportunity. Yeah, and that's that's really what I try to do. And even I have to say, even in graduate school, I I got a limited perspective because your advisors, they really only know how to get jobs in academia, or that is their experience. And you really need to talk to people outside of academia. And even we had students who worked with state wildlife agencies, but still like the advisors, they weren't, they didn't know their career paths. And then it's all changed so much too. So like what it took to get a job in a state agency, you know, 10, 20 years ago is totally different than, than today. It's all changing so much. So what did you uh, learn from, from the program and how do you think it changed you? I think the most important thing that I learned from your program is the job tracker worksheet that you gave us. It's where you look for jobs currently on all these different job boards for things that you're interested in. And you actually copy those uh, job descriptions and you look at them and lay out like, like very specifically what skills and what level of experience, what like kinds of experiences they would want you to have. And you kind of lay all that out. And, you know, over the course of months to even, you know, years as you're going through your your education, you'll have this list of skills that you can be like checking off as you go through those. That's great. Yeah. I, I developed that tool in retrospect. So I actually didn't use it when I was, when I was looking for jobs myself, but I was thinking about what would be helpful for students and just when I was on the job market, I just realized there were so many things that would have been helpful to have that I didn't know about going through graduate school. And I, and like I said, this is especially pertinent if you're not interested in academia, because I had a really good sense of what academia wanted, but I was never interested in academic jobs. And even though I said that over and over again with my mentors, and then this is even like everyone I talked to, I would talk to different seminar speakers that would come to our, to speak at our, our seminar series. And yeah, I just, I just never had anyone be like, well, look at the jobs now and, and see really 
what you need because you might be missing some, some key things. So did you, for your job, so you, you wanted to be a herpetologist at a museum, a curator, <laughs> and then you left still wanting the same job, correct? So did I you, did. <laughs> what? I did, yeah. Yes. So did you learn anything about the, the skills needed through using the job tractor, tracker or anything else during that period that you didn't know about before? I think, yes. The, the only thing is that, you know, because these jobs are a little bit rarer, they don't come up as much. I did find some postings for these kinds of jobs. And I think it would be really helpful over the course of like months and years to have a collection of these so that when I'm ready to interview or apply for these kinds of positions that I can actually reference back to these past job descriptions and make sure that I'm, uh, you know, addressing each of those points. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it is. It is tough if you're looking for a specific job. And that's another thing that I wanted people to get away from the job tracker is that a lot of people contact me and they want to work with specific species. Or I see this on Twitter a lot where people are like, actually, I saw this, this woman scientist tweet that she gets a lot of questions about how to work with big cats. And she was just talking about how competitive it is that there's just so few jobs where, where you can study big cats. So, so part of that job tracker is for you to see that if you've been tracking jobs for a year and your job only comes up like once every six months or, or once a year or, or hasn't come up at all. It's not to say that you shouldn't go for that job, but just know that it's, it's going to be not even necessarily a more competitive job, but you're, you're going to have to go where the job is. So if you're like set on living in a specific area, unless that job is like known for that area, you're probably going to have to move around. And, and these are just the things that, that I wasn't aware of as much that you, that how niche the job market was. I think another benefit of this is it helps you be a little bit more aware of what this job looks like realistically, right? Like if you're going to want to be going out into the field and like collecting specimens or, or tracking big cats or anything like that. Like that's not the majority of these kinds of positions that are available. It's, you know, working on getting grants, it's writing papers, it's data analysis and those kinds of things. So that's also good for people who are just looking into these kinds of things as a career option. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, especially with graduate school, there's a lot of people on Twitter, on social media, on Instagram, posting pictures of them in the field. And in graduate school, you do that because you're, you're supposed to get the experience of doing everything. But then if you get your master's, you can still do field work. That's, that's pretty reasonable. But if you get your PhD, I really only know two people with their PhDs who are outside a lot of the time and, and more involved in the data collection process. Most of the time, they're, like you said, writing grants, trying to fund the projects or managing the field assistants or writing the papers. So, so you want to make sure that you're specific about what level of job that you want. So you don't get your PhD. If you really want to be in the field, it's probably better for you to get a master's. Cool. Thanks. What would you say to people thinking about doing this program? I think that the sooner the better. I think this is going to be good and an important information for you to have in the back of your mind at lots of different stages and probably revisiting as you move through your education process. So I think it doesn't hurt to, to look at 
all the different kinds of jobs that are available. I think that's one of the reasons why, even though I felt like I, you know, had a career in mind and things and things like that, that I wanted to take your course because you actually highlighted lots of different kinds of jobs. And I think it's really important to be open. There's lots of different positions that have similar skills and that you could feel happy with and like very excited to do. So I would say that you should definitely take it. Just see what's out there and, and have a re- more realistic idea of what what you'll need and what it will be like to have those kinds of positions. So. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for saying that. And I'm, I'm really glad you benefited from the class. I loved helping you. One thing actually I decided to add to my business is you, you applied for a national science, uh, national science foundation, graduate research fellowship program grant. So for those of you who don't know, that's a grant that you can apply at the beginning stages of your, your PhD and, and master's. Yeah. Now you can do yes. master's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At the time I did it, I couldn't, or you couldn't. And you asked a question about it. And I asked if I, if you need help, I can, I can look at your proposal. And I actually really love doing that. I just think, I don't know, it's just so much fun reading over these proposals and having worked with NSF now or writing NSF grants. I haven't worked with NSF. I just know what they're looking for now. And I just had a lot of fun giving feedback. And of course your advisor should be giving you feedback, but sometimes they don't do as quick of turnaround (laughs) as you want. And maybe you want some more initial feedback in the beginning stages, Uh, but that's something I really enjoyed now. And um, I'm going to start, or I have started offering to people, although they're not due until November. So so if you're thinking about doing that, you can contact me and I'm happy to help you with that process. That's really cool. Yeah, it was, it was really helpful. Okay, well, I won't take any more of your time. Thank you so much for being here. And I know one day I'm going to see you as a curator of herpetology in an amazing museum. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you again, Hannah, so much for being on the podcast. I had so much fun talking to her. Before I go, I just wanted to talk to you about some details about this program. So this podcast is airing Wednesday, and you can enroll in this course until Friday night. All of the details are on my website. If you just go to fancyscientist.com, and then at the top, you will see Confusion to Clarity course. So I called this course Confusion confusion to clarity because so many people email me and ask me for advice. They're like, should I do this program? Should I go to this school? Should I get this degree? And the the, the number one advice that I give people is that they need to figure out what they want first. And sometimes it can be really figure out or, or it can be very difficult a lot of times to figure out, especially when you're making a career decision, what you want. So the thing that I loved that Hannah said about the program is that it was systematic. And that's exactly what I do. I love that phrase because before I started my degree, like nobody laid it all out for me, all of the options. And I just thought when I graduated that I would just find something that I liked. Like I knew what I liked and I knew what I didn't like, but I didn't have a set idea of exactly what I wanted to be. So in this course, it's three weeks. It's going to start next Monday, December 7th. I think Monday. I'm going to see who joins and what days work out best for them. But so start next week. 
And we're going to do this all in a month. So there's going to be four live webinars where I'm going to teach you content. And then what's different from from last time um, to this time is that there's going to be four uh, group coaching sessions. So we'll meet twice a week for at least an hour each session. And the four modules, so week number one, we are going to introduce each other, talk about what we what we want to do, what our goals are, and where we think we're going to go. And of course, if you're totally confused, that's okay. And I'm going to talk to you in depth about research in the very first module. So what exactly is research, applied versus theoretical research, the the research cycle. And some of this is covered in my book, but I'm going into it for much more detail. We're going to talk about how to prepare for the future of research, how to come up with research questions, tips for research. So just really in depth. And then we're going to talk about using the job tracker like Hannah um, mentioned. And you can actually access the job tracker right now for free. So just go over to my website and you can download it and use it now. You don't need to be part of the course to do that. Another thing we're going to do is something really fun is I'm really into human psychology and I've been reading a lot of books on it and how you what we call prime ourselves and this is used in advertising and really and everything in life and maybe I'll do an episode about this because it's so interesting but how you prime yourself it changes your outlook on the world so the the your brain responds really well to to images that's that works really well for the subconscious mind so one of the things I want to do is do a, do a career vision board. So we're going to start that in week one and then adjust it throughout the way. I actually, I should do this maybe on like a free training or something, but I did a vision board last year and I had so much fun with it and most of my visions happened. And here's another fun story. I, I was going to make this podcast short, but they're never short. I'm sorry, guys. But here's a funny story. I did a vision board a couple of years ago. I didn't take it that seriously. And I put tigers on it because at the time I was writing a grant for tiger research. So I really wanted. Long story short, I never got the tiger grant. But my collaborators in India, they worked on a grant for an, for an Indian bank. They didn't tell us about it. And they got essentially the project that I wanted funded, funded, but at a larger scale. So more schools and more people involved across a wider range. And we definitely got tigers on the camera traps. So my vision came into reality. That was just awesome. So week one, and then every single week, there's going to be a coaching session that follows. So in the coaching sessions, we're going to go over the exercises more in depth, and we're going to go into deep dives into people. And this is something that I've I've received from my mastermind groups, where it's called a hot seat. So if somebody's having a particular issue, they can't figure something out, they're feeling really stuck, they can them tear themselves to be in the hot seat. And then I will coach them through the process, ask them a bunch of questions. And the great thing about this is that you learn from other people. You don't, in this career, trust me, you don't know what you don't know. So if somebody brings up a question, you might be like, I never heard of that. Is that important? Or I didn't know I should be doing that. So so this group coaching, I know for sure, is really going to help you in your career. 
Week number two, we are going into depth about all the different career types. So there's six major types, and we're going to go over in detail to what you do, what it really looks like for professionals. I'm going to give you lots of examples of real-world professionals in these fields, and we're going to start a new exercise called the analysis of view. And this is a series of questions. It's quite a few questions to really dig at what you want out of life. They're designed to to get you thinking beyond just your career. But in the coaching session, we will link it all together, talk about how it relates to your career and what you can discover about yourself and your professional ambitions by taking this deep dive. Week three, we go into depth about the career workplaces because what I found from my experience is being on the job market. If you want to be a wildlife biologist, there is no one wildlife biologist. If you you have to think about where you want to work as well. So if you want to be a wildlife biologist, what kind? Where do you want to work? Do you want to work in in the government? Do you want to work at a state agency? Do you want to work at a federal agency? Because even as much as the workplace can affect your job chances because there's different requirements. And I honestly was pretty shocked at this. When when I applied for a job at the North Carolina Wildlife Resources Commission here, one of the reasons why I wasn't even asked for an interview, it was a mammologist position, is because I had a PhD. So I was overqualified for the position. They didn't want to hire a PhD. And I know that because I have I've spoke to somebody who works with the, the commission, so I know this for a fact. This week we're also learning about hard and soft skills, which are really important in this field. Communication skills especially becoming so, so, so important. We're going to, we're going to implement the experience matrix. This is an exercise I take you through where we go through your job history. If you're young, we can go through your school history, like your, your extracurriculars. And this will help you figure out your strengths, weaknesses, what you need to work on, and additionally, what you like, what you don't like. So another deeper dive into yourself, but but more on the professional side. Webinar four is all about bringing it together to create your roadmap. So we're gonna take all these exercises together and I'm gonna show you how to fit them out, how to design your roadmap, how, how to make sure you know how to fill in the steps. So we're gonna fill out a roadmap. And then we're also gonna do a budgeting exercise as well because a lot of people, they just kind of jump into this career and they don't think about the finances at all. And most jobs in this career don't pay that much. And I always went into this career knowing I wasn't gonna make a ton of money, but I didn't realize how little some of the jobs pay that to the extent it can really affect your quality of life, especially if you want to have a family. There, There's just things that you need to consider that people don't consider, and it may affect your career decision. It may affect your, your professional decision. So it is so important that we talk about those things early on. And like I mentioned, we have a group coaching every single week where it's totally open. I mean, I will have some some guided questions for you and some exercises, definitely. But if you have a burning question, you can ask it and we can go from there. This is your time. And for this program, this time I'm offering two different options. So there is a basic version 
which includes the webinars, the live coaching calls, the workbook with all the different exercises, a Facebook group with all of us where we can provide each other with community support. You can learn from each other. I'm adding in my masterclass on resumes, cover letters, and CVs as a bonus. If I've used that as a bonus for for my my book before, so if you've received that, I will I will critique your resume in lieu of that. So you'll send me a copy of your resume, and I'll give you a personalized critique. And this option is available for four ninety five. So. It'll be a month long in December. So you will go into the new year with clarity, knowing what you want to do, knowing how to pursue it. At the very least, you will go in with several options of what you want to do because some of you are still young and that's okay to have several options open. But you'll know in order to make further decisions or to or or, or to going if, if you want to keep that option open of another career path open, you'll know to make sure to get the right requirements for it early on. The second option is a VIP coaching or VIP option. And the difference between this one and the other one is that everyone gets a resume critique in this one. And if you already had a resume critique from the from the basic, if you had the bonus course before, I will give you a cover letter critique as well. And then the awesome thing about this one is one-on-one coaching, 30 minutes for once a week. And I'm doing this for eight weeks. So you'll get personalized sessions once a week in the program and then four more sessions after the program to make sure you are on the right track in 2021, that you are sticking to your goals, that you are sticking to your plan to make sure you get the accountability. How many of us need accountability? Raise your hand. I do. That's why I am in two mastermind groups and I also have a coach too. So we, I will provide all of that to you. And this is exclusive. I don't do one-on-one coaching. I started to, but it's just really time consuming. I just didn't have extra time for it. So this is the only time you'll be able to get one-on-one coaching with me. And um, this is for $9.95. I know these are investments in yourself and I totally recognize that. Again, if you're not satisfied, you will receive your money back. But given that you guys, given that so many degree programs are really expensive out there, I know so many people just are leaping into these programs without really thinking about the finances. So I highly suggest you slow down for a month, pay the $500, pay the $9.95, work with me to figure out what you need. So you don't waste thousands of dollars studying or or doing an an internship or a volunteer program that really isn't going to take you towards your career goals. I highly, highly recommend this. I do want to be inclusive, and if you absolutely cannot afford this, you have, you're really struggling out there. I know people have been affected with COVID. You can email me. There are some scholarships available. You'll fill out an application, and I will let you know if you qualify. I was very hesitant to add this because I just went to a Tony Robbins session this past two weeks ago, Unleash the Power Within. It was awesome. And Tony Robbins grew up extremely poor. So his mentor, when he wanted to take a seminar, he like begged for him to let him in free and he wouldn't do it because I think his name was Jim Rohn because 
he said, you won't value it if you go in for free. So, so Tony at the time, I think he had to work like, I don't know, several additional jobs, but this, this seminar was $50 and I think he was only making $50 or $10 a week or maybe $10 a month. I can't remember, but definitely not enough to pay for the, the seminar. So that's, that's Tony's philosophy, although he does gift a lot of free things such as the podcast and, you know, he has videos online, me too. So if you, if you can't afford it, you can try for the scholarship, but it's going to be a big time investment. So I want people who are really, really dedicated to this. And if you aren't ready for that time investment right now, you also have my book, Getting a Job in Wildlife Biology. It goes over the foundations of all this stuff. This course is really the deeper dive, especially the deeper dive into yourself and and my guidance helping you figure out exactly what you want. I hope you join me. There are only 20 spots available. So, and several of them have already gone. Make sure you sign up ASAP, go to my website to secure one of those spots. There's no risk. And I am just so excited to work with you. I hope you stop on by. Thanks guys so much for listening. I hope you had an amazing Thanksgiving. I hope you have a great day. Be kind to animals, be kind to each other. There's a lot going on in the world today. So let's just spread the love and kindness. Okay, bye.